This is the FS Tech Podcast. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from FS Tech. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the rising tide of cyber fraud in the UK and ask whether the regulations in place are enough to tackle what has been described by experts as an epidemic of fraud. Earlier this year, trade body UK Finance revealed that UK banking customers lost a record £1.3 billion in 2021 to cyber fraud. The organisation warned that the UK is experiencing an epidemic of fraud and that collaborative action is required in order to regain control. And not even the government is safe. Fraudsters capitalised on the COVID-19 pandemic to steal billions from the government's bounce back loan programme. The government admitted that as much as £4.9 billion of the £47 billion lent by banks to 1.1 million companies between May 2020 and March 2021 was lost to fraudsters. A cross-party parliamentary committee would go on more recently to describe Action Fraud, the UK's National Reporting Centre for Fraud and Cybercrime, as ill-equipped to tackle fraud, while the Office of National Statistics reported that fraud cases have increased by 25% in the past two years. And though recent years have seen the introduction of regulations such as the confirmation of payee, COP, these fraud prevention measures still haven't curbed the practice. In fact, UK Finance reported that APP scams are now the most common in the UK and represented over half of the £1.3 billion stolen through scams in 2021. In September, the Payment Systems Regulator, PSR, published its latest consultation on the proposed regulation that would extend bank liability to APP fraud and the receiving bank. While this is a win for consumers and will require reimbursement in all but exceptional cases over £100, most banks will face much higher fraud loss exposure than they've ever had to contend with before. Clearly, more needs to be done in order to push back against this rising tide of fraud, and there are companies looking to push beyond the current levels of action in the space, such as Nice Actimize. And joining me to discuss this topic further is the company's senior business consultant, Hen Kirsch. Thank you for joining me today, Hen. Thank you for having me. So, just to get started, do you believe that the introduction of measures that we've mentioned in the introduction, like COP and APP, have helped or hindered fraud prevention efforts in the UK? Um, I, I believe the confirmation of PE has been very successful. It has uh, be, really been a good fraud control measure. We've seen this in the fact that fraudsters have reacted to that and have changed their patterns of uh defrauding people sending preferring let's say the banks that do not have confirmation of pay in place to do their fraud to have their fraud cases uh, another measure of success of these uh, controls is that other countries have started to adopt these as well so we can see that uh, confirmation of pay has been in place in the uk and in holland uh, the eu has just recently presented a also a consultation on having these type of measures, uh, we can see already becoming more um, regulatory than voluntary. So these type of cooperation between banks, and we'll talk about that later, really does help fight fraud as a industry. Why do you think that the UK is is this kind of fertile market for these kind of new measures that go on to be introduced around the world? I think that traditionally we can see that the UK and the EU uh, as part of it are really at the forefront of financial technology, Uh, finance, financial technology, financial products. uh, If we talk about 
for example, faster payments that was introduced in the UK 2007, only 2019 has been introduced in the US. Uh, if we look at things like chip and pin, which has been in the market for a lot of time, uh, only six years ago has been implemented in the US. Uh, I believe it's more about the culture, uh, the culture that is looking to protect people more, more people centric and new controls come in to mitigate fraud. And because these have been shown as effective are being picked up in other places. There are advantages to being first, but there are many advantages to being second. Mm. It's, it's interesting you mentioned the US there. I've just come back from the US and it still seems like you're going back in time a bit. You know, you go to a restaurant and you put your card down at the end of the meal and then they take it away and then you just sign something. It just seems so kind of backwards compared with in, in the UK when, you know, they'll bring a chip and pin machine over and you just tap your card and then you're done. Um, even it seems more sophisticated going down to the news agent here than it does going to a bank in America, but not to go on too much of a rant there. Uh, but we, we've talked about these regulations and obviously with these regulations comes new technical requirements. From a technological perspective, how disruptive had these relatively new regulatory requirements like COP and APP been? And what's the financial toll that that's taken on FIs? Right, so the new regulations drive new requirements for new capabilities, things that we've not seen before, things that, um, and scalability that has not been seen before. Um, for that, the simple idea is to, yes, let's add just more tech to our tech stack, but it also drives new technology adoption. Uh, if we're looking at things that can speed up and streamline and give new capabilities to the business. So things like uh, containers, Kafka, Cassandra, the ability to scale up. And it requires the FIs to actually adopt these new technologies to be able to use the new capabilities that vendors are offering. Mm, yeah, that's very interesting. Um, and along with the technological advancements and the difficulties there also comes with the kind of cost and risk shall we say um as i mentioned earlier this new uh, psr consultation will put uh, more of a net onus on the receiving bank um when in, in cases of app fraud so with these few FIs actually having the experience of managing these kind of new detection processes from a fraud perspective, what services can third parties provide to fill that gap? I think in this case, vendors, global vendors, let's take Actimize as an, uh, as an example, um, is a very uniquely placed to, because it spans a lot of territories, because it spans a lot of these type of risks and mitigation to these risks and putting in control in place, it has a kind of a, a very big array of solutions, best practices, um, how to do things smartly instead of just throwing more bodies, throwing more machines, etc. So that type of services can really help reduce the cost that is definitely up to um, the cost needed from a FI perspective. Um, just as an example, we are now currently engaged with multiple customers, uh, basically doing exactly that, preparing the roadmaps with the regulation, the upcoming regulation, uh, also importing the best practices from other places, in effect, turning them into a kind of a best in class um, operation. 
Mm, so, so as you alluded to there, and what we previously discussed about the uh, PSR regulation, um, the EBA has recently introduced a new voluntary taxonomy, kind of touching on what you said about these things being regulatory versus voluntary. Um, what are the details of this, and why should um, FIs voluntarily subscribe to it? So, um, I'd like to start with an anecdote. Uh, during one of the trainings that I've done, I've, um, when discussing very common terminology with the fraud strategy uh, managers, it appeared that a single definition had three different ways to calculate it within the same department. Everyone looked at the same term and thought something different. Um, having a shared taxonomy needs to be there to be able to standardize. Um, if we want banks to talk to each other, as we've previously alluded, to share information, to share the knowledge and increase the industry's ability to counter, we need to make sure that we're talking about the same thing, um, which is why a lot of the banks that we talk to about this taxonomy are, they're very happy about that because it will be an enabler for them to start sharing information reliably because they know that they're talking about the same thing. And also it mitigates a lot of the internal challenges of how do I define, right? Because they have been given clear guidance on how they need to define each one of these uh, cases. Uh, so a lot of this so far has been, you know, easy, well, not so easy, but uh, relatively straightforward when it comes to the kind of existing major banking players. But a major focus of challenger banks is in the signing up process of and managing accounts is making it all as easy and streamlined as possible. You know, these sorts of banks will promise, oh, you can open up an account in 10 minutes on your on your phone. And, you know, that and they deliver. Yes, and it has lots and lots of uh, uh, promises and also, you know, slight potential pitfalls. Um, do you think that these kind of organisations should bear more responsibility for preventing and protecting their customers from fraud? Good question. Um, I think that what I think means really little. It's there already are PSR uh, regulations and con th this consultation that we see now already says 50% liability shift. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, the FCA took out a letter to the challenger banks beginning of the year talking about the irresponsibility that they have on the AML space as well. This will directly impact their FIs who will do not have these type of controls in place. This might be viewed as a case of if you have the needed controls in place, you would not be impacted by this legislation. Um, and we see that the more established bank who do have these controls in place are actually looking towards this regulation as something that might reduce their losses. Yeah, that's really interesting because, you know, as I, as I framed it there, I, you kind of consider that it's the, the newer players who present this more kind of straightforward streamlined product as being the ones who are potentially more liable to risk. But actually, it's the legacy banks which have got these pre-existing systems in place which haven't necessarily been designed with those regulations in mind that they're trying to catch up. Mm -hmm. But it's a control in place that they can use to help mitigate this. And they're actually looking forward to the PSR because it will reduce their fraud losses. Mm -hmm. right? um, the new banks, I can completely understand from where they're coming. They need to increase their account numbers to uh, justify their valuation, which I can completely understand. But it's the, that type of balance that I believe that the FCA wants to 
ingrain that you, you can onboard very fast, but you need to have controls in place. Yeah, so we've, we've touched on these uh, existing regulations and the sorts of things which are coming in soon, which should help the landscape. But what, what are the next regulatory measures on the table beyond this that you think will disrupt FIs? And what will the landscape look like in the next, you know, 18 months, two years, five years, 10 years? That's a great question. Um, I'll preface this by saying that the way I see it, new technologies bring in new products, bring in new vulnerabilities, bring in new mitigations. Um, and it's a constant, we can see this. Uh, we, can, we saw this with faster payments and the changes to the fraud trends. We see, saw this with introduction of mobile, mobile banking. Suddenly there's mobile banking, suddenly there's fraud in mobile banking. Um, but let's uh, roll back. The PSRs are the closest deadline. It's, if I remember correctly, it's the middle of next year. But if we expand a bit, we can see that we have in the EU, uh, confirmation of PE planned to be rolled out on a uh, um, on an EU. Uh, we're talking about the shared taxonomy, uh, extended fraud reimbursement discussions have been starting to take place in multiple um, countries in the EU. Um, PSD three framework is being discussed right now. PSD has been PSD one came out 2012. PSD two came out. 2018, if I remember correctly, 1819. Uh, and now the PSD3 framework is being discussed to be released in, I think, two years, something like that. We are seeing discussions on voluntary reimbursement uh, in the US or extending the existing voluntary reimbursement discussion taking place in the US. Extended fraud reimbursement in South Africa and Australia being driven by the, in Australia, being driven by the current government. Um, and again, going back to the point that we made earlier, we see that regulations, once proven that they mitigate fraud, tend to go across because it just works. Thanks for that, Hen. And thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been a really, really illuminating discussion on fraud prevention. If you want to learn more about fraud prevention and NICE Actimizer's efforts in the space, there are more details in the notes below. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the FS Tech Podcast.